Welcome to Deep Well Astrology. I'm Allison Disler, a psychological astrologer and somatic educator. And in this podcast, we'll explore how astrology can illuminate our embodied consciousness and nourish our soul. Welcome to Deep Well Astrology Podcast. Allison here. As you heard from the intro, I'm a psychological astrologer, but I'm also a body worker and somatic educator. If you're new to me or this podcast, welcome. You can find out more about me and my work at alisondisler.com. Today is Thursday, May 26th, and we're early into this Gemini season. Although we do have a lot of planetary energy hanging out near the early degrees of Cardinal Aries. Yesterday, Mars ingressed into Aries, where it will later this week, on Sunday, May 30th, meet up with Jupiter at 3 degrees of Aries. Anyone out there with planets in early Aries or early cardinal signs will be able to feel or perceive these planetary energies affecting the themes of the Aries or early cardinal placements. Mars, I like to view as a catalyzing or fiery or spicy energy that can bring heat, vitality, or aggression to a situation. And Jupiter has a tendency to expand what it touches or comes close to. With these two archetypes commingling, we could imagine several different permutations. For example, an abundance of energy or vital initiative to get stuff going, or an excessive agitation or frustration in a certain area of our lives. This could also be a blow up or a blow out, or a spicy or fiery encounter that it could expand into something more. And remember, this could be a negative, sort of like an argument, or a positive, like heated passion. No matter where we are on our astrological journey, it can help to keep as many archetypal possibilities open as possible and resist the urge to fall into the binary or black and white, this is all good or all bad thinking, because it helps widen our perspective so we can study these phenomena in our life and in our charts. For some of us, a Jupiter-Mars conjunction could feel overwhelming or be too much. But for those of us who are natively akin to hot, strong Mars energy, or have lots of Martian energy in our natal charts, we may find this personally as a comfortable time to shine our gregariousness, or our go get vitality. So Aries is in the air, today too, because the moon is also in Aries. We have already spoken for self-care from an astrological perspective, from an Aries moon point of view. So if you're interested in that, or you've got an Aries moon, head back to episode 32. So we're going to jump forward one moon and ground some of this Aries and Gemini energy by visiting self-care for a moon in Taurus. We've just left Taurus season, so some of the references will still be palpable. When I look at natal charts, I look to the moon as one indicator to how a person may feel nourished or supported on an emotional level. 
the moon from a psychological astrology point of view is connected with nourishment and nurturance style, both in the present and an indicator to how an individual may or may not have been emotionally nourished as a child by the primary care figure or the mother figure. The moon can also give us insight and information to how we perceived the mother or primary care figure and how we perceived or felt to be nourished by this person. In modern astrology, the moon is often associated with the mother figure, but I like to broaden this into also the primary care figure since we've all had different families. This can be the person or the one early on who was responsible for feeding us or caring for our basic needs in infancy and very early childhood. Now, nurturance is not everything that makes up an individual's world or even how we nourish ourselves later, yet formative nurturance does give us a kind of learning blueprint that we often follow for a while until we either to choose to adapt or the early mapping shows itself to be no longer useful as a life road path. For those of us who have a moon in Taurus, this means you have an exalted moon, which translates into the idea that the moon is an honored or gifted, welcomed guest in this Taurus house of your chart. So you can think of this, if the moon is a traveler around the zodiac, when it arrives to the Taurus placement or the Taurus house, it is welcomed and invited into cushy quarters, which is aptly put for a moon in Taurus, since one of its pictures and ideas of nourishment are materials that can be comfortable or nourish the senses. So you think Taurus moon, exalted, Moon is kind of comfortable in Taurus, and one of the things that a Taurus moon is nourished by is sensual comfort. In regards to the primary care person, if you have a moon in Taurus, there are some ways your mother figure or care person could have been perceived. This person may have been perceived as sensual or earthy, loving to delight in the natural world, gardening, beauty, food and drink. They may have loved neck adornments or jewels or had a distinguishing voice or neck or singing voice or prominent collarbones since Taurus also rules the neck and the throat. On the other hand, this person could have also been perceived as fixed in their ways, either good or bad, with a high endurance or stubborn. There could have also been a sense of staying power and just really sticking around, always being there, sturdy, reliable, perhaps even keeled, except when pushed or being interrupted. That's one thing about the Taurus archetype is that steadiness and taking one's own time is very prominent with this archetype. And if that's interrupted, that's when you see that kind of often anger. It's like the bullish anger that can come up. Another way this primary care figure or mother could have been perceived is gluttonous or overly entrenched in the material world. 
This could have showed up as overindulgence in food or drink or needing to have particular items of value or worth. And finally, another way the primary caregiver could have been perceived is someone who provided you with as much or more nurturance, including material goods, as you needed. So this could be a wonderfully abundant situation. This person, or the way that you perceived this person, could have been one of a good steward, one person who was generous, and that offered you the potential of being fulfilled, and sometimes a little overfilled. So take a moment to reflect on your perception of your early care figure or your mother. What of this rings true? about this person or how you were nourished or modeled nourishment. And finally, what would you add to on this list or amend? Since covering the moon in Scorpio last week and Taurus this week, I want to point out that no matter if you have a moon in exaltation as an honored guest in Taurus or in its fall in Scorpio, we all have unique and fundamental needs to be nourished and to be able to know how we can emotionally nourish, soothe, or approach self-care, and both moons can do this. I do not view moon placements in a hierarchy of essentially good or essentially bad, since I feel it's of the agency of the person with the moon placement to decide how to use and approach that placement. A moon in its fall may also have a very helpful aspect to other planets in the chart, which makes its vulnerability useful. Likewise, an exalted moon could have challenging aspects towards itself that causes its ideal function to be hindered. The deeper we go into our charts, the more beautifully complex the symphony becomes. All this to say that while our planets in fall or detriment may ask us for a little more work or awareness, they can end up being a very nourishing place to attend to, not something to run from or feel burdened by. A moon in Taurus in exaltation is comfortable. So one way of speaking about a moon in Taurus is that it is nourished by comfort, by comforting things, places, situation, objects, tastes, smells, all those senses. This might be a clothing, favorite meals, a soothing place of beauty. A moon in Taurus is nourished by taking its time not being forced, hurried, or rushed. This moon may love to stop and smell the roses, take breaks, linger over a dinner or a conversation. There is nothing quick about a moon in Taurus. This moon may also like to slowly marinate and process emotional material rather than process on the spot. If someone demands an immediate answer, 
or an immediate emotional response, a Taurus moon may feel out of element and want and need to take some time for thinking things out or feeling things out on their own time. Long after others have burned or fizzled out, a Taurus moon may still be working through step by step the process of the emotion. A moon in Taurus may be nourished by things that are stable and steady, things that have the potential to flower over time. There's a real gift of a Taurus earthy moon to have some innate archetypal knowing of the cycles of life, and especially the earth, so the rhythm of nature with its growing seasons. So this knowing that all things grow within their own time can help center a Taurus moon. People, places, and environments where a Taurus moon can feel sensually comfortable, steady, stable, and at ease are a good source of emotional nourishment. Pause to reflect a moment. If you have a Taurus moon or know someone who does, what are some things that feel really wholesome or nourishing to you? What are your favorite senses? Sight, sound, smell? taste, or touch? How do the words comfort, steadiness, stability, and slow time resonate? Okay, so any ideas pop up? But seriously, though, no need to rush, especially with the prompts. Take your time. I'm going to head into this practical section here for a moon in Taurus. You can think about this as you like, but you're also welcome to pause and go back and take any of the reflection points into your journal or over the course of this next week. You can come back to this section later if you feel like it. I do acknowledge that for some of us, we do need a moment to contemplate. To even think about what is emotional nourishment for me? How do I know I'm feeling emotionally nourished? Or even that big broad topic, what is self-care? I really like to think about self-care from an astrological point of view because it opens the door and gets us out of some of those myths about self-care, how everybody is going to be nourished by the same thing. And, you know, when we look at our moons, and of course, this is just one way to look at nourishment, we can start to realize that we have a very different constellation and unique constellation of how we can be nourished and what we need to feel nourished. The moon sign is one way to think about that. So for all the other folks in your life, we're not going to be nourished by the same things. Even if we were just to look at our moon signs, that doesn't even take the moon house into consideration, which is a deeper topic. So these are all wonderful things to consider and chew upon for some time. If you're interested in going into some of the practical suggestions, I'm going to give a few for y'all to try. You can think about this or you can give them a try if they feel exciting. If you have a moon in Taurus, consider thinking or making a chart of all the environments that you're in in a week. This might be a list like home, work, school, 
or a more detailed list of places you go often, like my bedroom, kitchen, office, grocery store, basketball practice. Think of your most frequented environments. And after you've listed, ask yourself or actually write on that piece of paper, is this environment comfortable or not? Yes, no, or somewhat. Look at your list and be honest. Think about how your body feels in each place. Now reflect, does your list feel out of balance, either all comfortable or many places uncomfortable? Remember, a Taurus moon will feel nourished by comfort and often stable environments. However, if everything is comfortable and must be comfortable at all times, we can become rigid and stuck in our ways. We all need a balance of being in and being out of our comfort zones. So while a Taurus moon may need a little bit more comfort, it also needs a few places where it can be dynamic and air out any of the stale rigidity that can happen with a Taurus moon getting almost stuck in its comfort. This might be just opening to an environment or a situation that may not be 100% comfortable in order to shake up some of that fixed energy. And just know yourself and know your tolerance. This may be one little thing every day, or you might have a goal for yourself to try something fresh each week. So just kind of perceive where you are. And don't worry, you can always come back to another comfortable place, especially if you have a lot of them. If you are thinking about the people and environments in your life and you are lacking places to be comfortable, so this is the opposite of that other scenario, you might consider placing some more areas in your life or times of your day where you can be comfortable or down-regulate. Consider making this a priority and make a list or a mental note of the things that you know sensually that make you feel comfortable or stable. Make sure that you dedicate at least a portion of each day where you can ask yourself, am I comfortable? Is there anything else I could do right now to be a little more comfortable? So even if you can't change a work environment, is there something that you could do to make it a little more comfortable? pillow to sit on, a pillow behind your back, uh, something that you could bring in that feels comfortable to you. You might even end up working your way towards creating or designing a comfortable place for yourself, a nook, a room, a place that you like to go in your town that you can visit, so a sanctuary or a garden. Another practical thing to get to know about yourself is to notice how you feel about indulging and keeping care of your sensory experience. So having the senses perceive things that are enjoyable, since we're in a world where we receive a lot of fluorescent light and sounds and noise, look around your environment and not only name the things that you like to look at and smell and touch, but also see what kinds of those experiences are in your day, day to day. If you're living in a city, you may want to bring in some sensually pleasurable experience in 
for example, your walk to work so you could use essential oil. So knowing what your senses delight in and then using that to your advantage. Maybe it's drinking a certain kind of tea. So what plants and smells and other sensual experiences can help you feel in touch with pleasure and in touch with your own ground? And this kind of plays into this third thing I'm going to suggest. As you're thinking about your day today, be aware of the places of life around you that are moving quick, moving at a comfortable pace, and moving at a slow pace. So just like you did with the environments, take a moment to think about how paced out your life is. Do you find yourself in places where you're able to take your time? Do you find yourself consistently rushed or in a profession where you have to be rushed? So again, if this feels a little out of balance, remember a Taurus moon is probably going to be nourished by being able to take its time and have places and things where you can slow down or slow into process. Now, all of life is not going to yield that possibility, but if there's no place to slow down or experience slow time or that fixed enduring process, the Taurus moon may end up feeling agitated and angry more often or feel like it's being pushed around by time. So you might want to consider looking at, again, your day or your week as a, a, a blend of a variety of paces. And if it's all too quick or you are very sensitive and you're not able to move quickly, again, give yourself a little bit of balance but err on that side of making sure that you have some places to slow down and experience slow time for yourself. And of course, Taurus Moon, you can do this simple thing every day. Just pause, take a breath, and enjoy the smell of the delicious summer air. Until next time. Until next time, breathe deep, linger long.